You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Uh, well, hey, if this is your first time here, uh, my name is Nick. I'm the pastor of Bright City Church, and uh, we're just so glad to have you. Uh, I'd, I've been doing this for a long time, and people getting up early on a morning when they don't have to and coming to one place at the same time, uh, you know, parents, like there's a sacrifice that happens, like you threaten to turn around at least three times, and that's after you've told them you can't wear that costume to church. Uh, but, you know, we, 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 you can wear costumes, that's fine if it's all right with your parents, but, you know, it's a lot to get here, so... Uh, I don't undervalue that sacrifice. Uh, This morning, I want to talk to you about something that I feel like is going to be the catalyst uh, for your summer. And what I mean by that is I feel like it is going to be uh, how you have a healthy summer. And kind of what I want to talk to you about is protecting the produce. All right? Protecting the produce. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been trying to learn more about farming because the biggest struggle I have in life when it comes to food is number one, not eating it when I'm supposed to not be eating it. And then number two, finding a parking spot at Trader Joe's. Is anyone else there? I, I know I talk about this often, but I will literally drive to Trader Joe's and if it looks like the club, I'm like, well, it looks like it's going to be whole paycheck this morning like, or this afternoon. Like we're, we're going to Whole Foods and it's going to cost me more. But what I will have is my mental health at the end of it all. Um, and, you know, so finding the spot and, you know, when you get in there, you really do take for granted that like everything is in season, right? Like you go in, they always have bananas. Like you go in, they always have strawberries. You go in, they always have blue. Like they always have these things. And, you know, sometimes it's better than others, but usually things have a season. And so this is what is true when it comes to farming. But what I love about farming is that farming reflects the heart of the Father, right? Like when we step back and we look at God and we look at creation, like God has ordained the times and the seasons. So if you think that you're going to get out in the winter and start planting in the winter and producing strawberries in the winter, like you've got some holy disappointment coming in your life. Uh, It's the same with us. Uh, How many of you started COVID gardens? Anyone? Yeah, we have like a COVID pile of weeds now. Like it's still there. Like we just got the grass trimmed and like our, like I don't know what our our landscaper is thinking is is because he cuts our grass all the time. He's got to be looking at this thing like, man, this was, this was a COVID garden. Like this is disappointing or, you know, I don't know. He never cuts it down. So it's like four feet high of weeds right now. Uh, But when it comes to farming, it's so interesting how things happen uh, in season. So in the winter is for planning, right? Like you're not trying to do anything in the winter. You're trying to plan. Uh, But then when you get to the spring is for planting. 
And so when I think about Bright City and when I think about God has done in the course of our church is I've seen some incredible things being planted in the spring. Like when I look back at like how God's moved in our church and what happened at Easter and all the things that God's doing individually in each person's life, uh, whether they are having the fight of their life uh, or they're experiencing some breakthrough in ways uh, that only God can bring, I've just seen God plant some things in the spring. And so what happens is, is you move into farming season in the summer in the summer is about the things that have been planted actually taking root and growing. So when, uh, when it comes to the fall, we're harvesting, right? We're harvesting. Uh, one thing I know is in John 10, 10, it says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God in Jesus has come so that we would have abundant life. And so what I do know is that Satan comes in and he's trying to work and he's trying to prevent things from growing over the summer. But can I be honest? Like, I think sometimes I am the number one sabotager of growth in my life rather than Satan. Like, I think sometimes, like, there are things and rhythms and stuff that I've established in the summer that do not help the growth of what was planted in the spring. And so even with us as a church, like for some of you who've been around for a while, like, you know, sometimes we have these Sabbath Sundays and like for some people, it's like, oh my gosh, I needed that breath of fresh air. Uh, like the last one that we had, like I ended up getting sick and I was like, man, praise God that I'm, I'm off this weekend because I need to get healthy. Um, but for some of us, it's like, Nick, what were you thinking not having church? Like, does your mother know that you're not like... Is, is, how, does your grandmother know? Like, how does this work? And I think sometimes we, 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 we can't allow the growth to happen in our life apart from the normal rhythms of what we have in other times of the year. And so what happens is sometimes we become the number one sabotager of the spiritual work that God wants to do in our life. And so I want to figure out how I can help myself, but also help you protect the produce that is coming in the fall. But if you don't be intentional in the summer, if you're not intentional in the summer, you're not gonna experience the growth that God has for you uh, in this moment, in this season. Uh, when I read the Apostle Paul, one of the things I love about Paul is Paul is that guy that is just always encouraging the church that he can't be at. Every once in a while, he has churches where he can roll in and he's there. And I'm sure sometimes they're like, crap, Paul showed up. Like, you know, this is before like social media. Like, you know, if you like, you know, you're in Charleston, like every once in a while, I'll see that I have friends in Charleston that I, I, they won't call me. They won't tell me that they're here, but I know that they're there. And so if Paul only had Instagram, you know, he could shoot like a, a, you know, a story up or make a reel like down by the pineapple fountain. And at least I know he's going to be at church this morning, but you know, you never had that heads up when Paul was coming to church and you never had the heads up when Paul was writing the letters, but Paul was writing the letters so that people could be encouraged to enter into the growth of God in every season of life. Like when he's writing in Galatians, he's like, hey, I don't want you to give up. This is Galatians 6, 9. He's saying, hey, I don't want you to give up in life because you're about to reap the harvest, right? Like the harvest is coming. And I think sometimes we experience hard things in our lives and we stop short of the harvest that God has for us.
And so Paul, he's like, hey, I just, I just want to encourage you. I, I want to tell you that there is good coming. I want to tell you that there are things happening outside of your body in your church uh, that you don't even know about. Like God is on the move. Like in, specifically, we're going to talk about uh, Philippians this morning. And so Paul is in jail. He writes this incredible letter. Like if I'm in jail, I'm writing a letter. It's like, come get me. Like, bring the bail money, like, bring it all, sell the house, sell the farm, like, get me out. But, you know, Paul's like, hey, I, I just need you to know that, that God is on the move even among the political people in Caesar's household. Like, God, like I, didn't, I didn't think God could break up into Caesar's household, but he is, and he's doing it. And so it's kind of this play where he's letting them what's happened, going on and happening in his life. But he's also like, hey, I just want to encourage you because I need you to protect the produce in your life. Because if you do not protect the produce, the enemy is going to come in and destroy all the things that God has planted in your life. Or we ourselves might sabotage those things in our lives, chasing after other things rather than chasing, on the, chasing the one who has given his life for us in and through Jesus Christ. So I want to read uh, Philippians 4. Start in verse 4. It'll be up there. Um, some of you, this might be familiar, but for others, uh, you know, we're just all going to listen with fresh ears. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. I love this about Paul. Like my attention span is very short. So I, usually I read things in scripture and then I'll go with my day and I'm like, did, what did I read this morning? I, I know it was about Jesus and some things happened and he did some things in my life. And that's so I love repetition. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. We'll come back to that if you're like, that's impossible. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So I think Paul is giving us a few ways to protect the produce. And so as we are going in summer and as we're traveling and as we might not have a service here and as groups are kind of doing their thing and they're a little more organic, the one thing I know is that we are not victims of our schedules, but that we are victors who have spiritual authority in our lives to take hold of the things of God, whether that, whether that is happening in the normal schedule or not. Like you are not a victim of life when it comes to your spirituality. Like you have so much power and so much authority. Like what happens to you is not because of something that just happened out of your control that so-and-so did this and that happened. Like how we respond is our responsibility. And some things do happen in our lives that we can't control. But we can all, my kids roll my eyes when I say this, like we can always control how we respond. And so how are we going to respond in the summer? How are we going to experience the spiritual growth that God has for us? And one of the first things that Paul reminds us to do, he reminds us to rejoice. 
or celebrate. The one thing I know, I've grown up in church a long time, like Christians, like the word on the street is that we may or may not be a little crusty, right? Like it's the crusty Christians, they're always trying to kill the fun, they're always trying to do this, they're always trying to do that. And so when Jesus comes, one of the things that Jesus does is he is kind of reminding them that the kingdom is not crusty. Right? Like he's, he's going to parties. He's hanging out with people. It's almost like when you make the PB&J and then you get the Uncrustable. There's like a whole other level that happens when you eat that Uncrustable. And so Jesus is unlocking the kingdom in that way. He's like, hey, Christians are supposed to reflect a kingdom of joy and celebration. Like kingdoms are, uh, Christians are supposed to reflect a kingdom where rejoicing is on the regular. So why on earth would we do that? So depending on what translations you'll read, sometimes it says that we need to rejoice because the second coming is near and that Jesus is coming back and he's going to get his church and then one day we will be with him and one day we will be in a place where there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more pain, there will be no striving, there'll be no more tears, there'll be this moment where we are with our creator and he is with us and that will be incredible. But what I do is for me sometimes I just have to take it at face value and so when I read uh, God is near, I just sometimes simply think it's like Paul is wanting them to see like, hey, I am not there, but I need you to know God is near. Like he, he's all up in your life. He, you're not alone. Like you're going to go, go somewhere tomorrow. Sometimes it's going to be a place that you don't want to go and do the thing that you feel like you're not created to do and love the people that you don't want to love and serve in a way that you don't get life from serving. And, and you see this and you're like, nigga, I, I can't rejoice. Like, I don't want to celebrate. Like, I just feel like I'm stuck in one big pile of obligation. And Paul's like, hey, I, I get that. I understand. And that, you know, I'm kind of writing this from prison, which is like astonishing. And he's like, hey, I just, you, we rejoice not because what's happening around us is because of what's happening in us. And what's happening in us, if you have faith in Jesus, if you trust Jesus and you follow Jesus, is that you receive the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is the presence of God, and the presence of God goes with you wherever you're present. So it's like the Christmas card all year round. Like, oh, you get the card from the family, and it's like, this is the season of peace, Emmanuel, God with us. And then we graduate to Easter, and we forget that we're still Emmanuel, right? Like, we're still God with us. And so then when we get to Easter, it's like God's resurrection power is all up in us. And then after that, we get to Pentecost, and it's like God's actual power is actually all up through us into the people around us. And so Paul's saying, hey, I just the, the rejoicing happens whether you feel it or not, because the, the truth of the matter is that God is near. Like he's, he's, he's in your life. He's with you as you go. And so when it comes to the summer, some things might feel different physically, like the routine changes, the rhythm changes. Uh, if you're parents, like everything changes and every week is different. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is nothing changes spiritually, right? Like nothing changes spiritually. Like we're still children of God. We're still empowered by the spirit. We're still a part of the family of God. Like sometimes when we don't have, you know, groups going within the church, like we feel like we've lost our status. 
within the family of God. It's like, I don't know what happened. It's my friends, and we were doing a book study, and now we're not, and I just don't even know if I believe anymore. And it's like, okay, hold on, chill out. Like, hey, just, just because something paused doesn't mean something's permanent. But let me tell you what is permanent. What's permanent is that you have been redeemed, rescued, received salvation, you have been forgiven, you have been extended grace, and you are a part of this bigger family called the church, which is trying to push the kingdom of God forward. And so some things might physically feel different, but nothing has spiritually changed. And so therefore we rejoice, we celebrate, we find the celebration and the rejoicing in the irregular routines that are to come. And so we've got to protect the produce by rejoicing. So if you feel gruff, things like you just, you feel stubborn, you're like, man, that coffee didn't take. And then you get the second cup and you're like, that didn't take either. Like, you know, it, it might be less Folgers and more rejoicing. Everybody's like, you don't drink Folgers, do you? No, I don't drink Folgers. <laughs> Tell you what, you don't excommunicate a lot of people for anything, but some of y'all are ready to come for me. Like, I just... <laughs> I don't think he's fit to be a pastor. I mean, he just was talking about Folgers, and I just, I thought we've moved on from that. That was the previous generation, but this is a new generation, and we have good coffee. How can you build rejoicing into your summer? How can you celebrate? Like, how can you do that? What, is, what does that look like? I know that when you experience the rejoicing and the celebration, what that does is it protects your heart from all the things that this world is throwing at you. Like it does. Uh, one of the things that I will always remember from my whole life is that when you go into the Charlotte Douglas Airport, like they've always had people servicing the bathroom all the time, every waking hour of the day. It's like, were you just here? I, can't, I, I left and I went there and now I'm back and you're still in here. Hopefully they let you leave. But one of the things I love is every once in a while, you'll get someone in there just singing hymns. And you're like, man, you are culturally in probably the worst spot that anyone would want to be. But man, you are in the throne room of grace. Like the Holy Spirit is all up in this stall. Like, I don't know what you did, but, but God is, is near. And so I don't know where you're going this summer, but here's what I do know is God is near. Therefore, you can rejoice you can celebrate. Another thing of how we protect the produce is pray. So here's Paul's encouragement. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so what I do know is when it comes to anxiety. I feel like anxiety's got like a lot of press as of late. Like it's, it's, it's all the rage. It's all we're talking about. Um, and what I do know about anxiety is just how you cope. Uh, you know, one of the things I feel like is happening is I think uh, the world is either painting it as someplace you need to stay in your life or it's something that you need to feel very shameful about in your life. Uh, but I feel like there's another side to anxiety, actually a spiritual side to anxiety, I believe. What I believe is that anxiety isn't an identity for us to cling to. So like, you know, 
sometimes we say, oh, I have anxiety, or you know, it's become something that defines us. But I don't think anxiety is actually our identity. I think anxiety is actually a spiritual alert to the things that you need to go to the throne room of grace and pray God and pound heaven's door for. Uh, early on when we started this church, like I just knew like Saturday night into Sunday, like I didn't sleep. And I was like, all right, this is not going to work. Like I, 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 I don't do well without sleep. Like I don't need much, but I need something. Like I just, it's not how I thrive best in life. It's not my best life now. Like I just need a little something. And so it would happen every week. And then finally, I was like, well, I'm going to show Satan. This is ridiculous. I'm just going to start praying. If he's got, if, if I'm awake and this is like a spiritual battle, then I'm just going to start praying. Like I just got to figure this out because I got to do something. So I'm praying. And then I start singing like praise songs, like in my whispering, like spirit. You know, I'm sure Jess could have been like, what is wrong with him? Is he like demon possessed? What's happening over there? But what I found is that the more I stepped up my prayer, the more I was able to sleep. And I think it was twofold. Number one, as you can see, anxiety plus prayer equals peace, right? Like when you, when you go back to that, he's like, you come prayer and petition, thanksgiving, presenting your request before God, and the peace of God will come all up in your life. And so I think sometimes we are content on being defined by being an anxious person rather than experiencing the freedom that comes from prayer. And so what I found is that anxiety is not something that I need to be and enter into. Anxiety is actually alert for the things I'm supposed to pray for. Like if I'm worried about something, God doesn't want me to live and worry. God wants me to take those things and present them to him so that he can carry them because he's the only one qualified to carry those things in my life. And I think sometimes we read verses like Matthew 11, 8, uh, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and we're like, oh my gosh, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so you try this Jesus thing, and you're like, man, this thing is broke. Like, it is not working. Like, I got the wrong Jesus pill. Like, maybe it was like blue and green or whatever the matrix was, and you took the wrong pill. And I think sometimes we enter into trying to enter into rest with Jesus, but we don't give our stress to Jesus. Right? Like, like we don't give our anxiety to Jesus. Like, we think our anxiety is this badge that goes on our vest that we carry with us into Christianity. And what I found is that anxiety is the alert to let you know that there are some things that we got to pray about. Like if we're worried, then we pray. Does it fix it immediately? Maybe not. Let's keep praying. Like if, if we're feeling stressed, like we got to pray. Like if we feel stressed about another person, we got to pray. If we're anxious about another person, we've got to pray. And what anxiety is, is anxiety is really the gateway to peace, but the only way you walk through that gate and you walk through that door is by prayer. And so we get to pray. We get to say, you know what? I'm, I'm protecting the produce. Like I am protecting the produce. I am protecting the growth. And here's the thing that Paul says about this peace. I love this. He says, as you pray, when you pray, he says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. So you're like, man, I was stressed and now I'm not. I don't understand that. Will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
And so this peace almost becomes a shield in your life. And it happened because you were anxious and you turned those anxious feelings, thoughts, and worries into prayer. And prayer is how we access peace. And so, okay, so what is prayer? In the NLT, I love this. He says, don't worry about anything and stay, instead pray about everything. And then he says, tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he's done, right? And I think what happens with anxiety is, this is someone else's quote, this isn't my quote. He says, what happens with anxiety is we forget that God has moved in the past and we're imagining a future without God moving, right? Like that, that's somebody else, y'all, the, the Nick said, and tweet it and I get in trouble. Like that's what it is, right? Is you've forgotten how God has moved in the past in your present moment and you are imagining a future apart from the hand of God. You are imagining a future where it is your might and not his. You are imagining a future where you've got to come through. What if he doesn't come through? You're imagining a future where the spirit of God is not going to move in a miraculous way. You're imagining a future where you are going to have to go through life without the power and the presence of God. But what did I already say? We rejoice because God's near. So God's near. So now I can be near to him. And so I enter into in prayer. How can you incorporate prayer into this summer in order to protect the produce of your life? Like, you know, those things planted, like the farmer's got to be out there protecting things, right? Like they got to shoot things. They got to scare things. They got to poison things, hopefully organically. Like they, there's a lot that they're protecting in that moment. And I really see that, that for you and I, we've got to be the spiritual farmers over the produce that God's planted in our life. Like, here's the beautiful thing about God is that God doesn't tell you to plant that stuff. Like, he does it, right? Like, God's the one that does it. And God doesn't tell you to make it bloom, right? He does it. But too often we forget that we do have a job and we've got to protect our hearts and our minds. Like, it doesn't just happen, right? Like, you don't just get baptized and you're like, I'm invisible, Right? Like what happens is, is you say yes to Jesus and then you say yes to a target on your back because Satan's coming for you. Right? And so when we get to Ephesians 6, Paul's like, hey, I need, I need you to armor up. And it's like, well, I don't believe in that. Well, if you don't believe in that, you're going to believe in it eventually. He's like, put on the full armor of God. Well, I'll just put on the half armor. I don't really like the full armor. It kind of doesn't look well with my skin tone. I just, I, I don't want the full, you know. If you don't put on the full armor, you will experience a full attack. It's just how it works. And so if you want to experience the peace of God, you've got to allow the anxiety to be the alert in your life and take that anxiety to God in prayer. And when anxiety meets prayer, it produces peace in your life. So we rejoice, we pray, and the next thing is we think. says finally brothers and sisters and you're like praise God finally Nick whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things and so usually what I find is that when I have a heart issue or when I'm struggling in my thoughts is because I have been thinking more about the ways of the world than the word of God. And does that mean that I'm supposed to be like carrying a Bible around all day? And it's like, 
you know, walking around and then like I'm at coffee and we're talking and it's like, Nick, are you going to put the Bible down? No, you keep talking. I'm going to be in the word. And then, you know, you're driving and you've got it like on the dash and you're like, okay, I can, you know, get over the seat. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is that if we are going to be people of God, then we need to be people of the word. But what I find is sometimes we have one hour that we devote to God and his word and we live the whole 167 hours in the world and we wonder why our Christianity isn't taking. And it's like Paul saying, hey, you've got to guard your thought life. Like you've got to guard your mind and your brain. Like Jesus talks about what goes in through your eyes and in through your ears is usually going to work its way to your heart. And your heart is the wellspring of your life. And so if your heart is poisoned, then your life is going to be poisoned. Uh, there's this place at our house, and it's like the, the side of our house. It's like the driveway goes, and then there was like supposed to be gravel. And the craziest thing about this little stretch of, of, of whatever it is, this is, I don't know what it is. It's like our holding place for all of life that doesn't fit in the house. It's like the only redneck side of me is this side of the house. If you know, you know. Um, and what is so interesting is there is the hardest ground ever. And then there's weed protection tarp laid down. And then there is gravel. And then there's trash cans. And then there's like whatever has poisoned the ground all around it. And then there's like all this stuff. There's like tubs and boogie boards and like all this stuff. And for some reason, things still grow there, right? Right, like it's, it's like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm like spraying it with weed killer and then this is happening and that's happening and like I can't get things to stop growing. And what I do know is that God loves to produce fruit and Satan loves to produce weeds. And weeds will grow everywhere if you don't protect your life. It just will, it's just how it happens. Usually I find that if the wheels wobble in our faith, it's not because of something that we've done. It's because of something that we thought that led to something that we did, right? Like you don't just like all of a sudden wake up and be like, all right, I'm going to sin. This is it. I'm doing it. This is the day I sin. Like, no, something happened in your brain and you stopped believing. And because of that, it affects your behavior. It's just how it is is, is our, our brain leads to the behavior that we're going to, you know, f do in this life. And so Paul is like, hey, I, I just, like, you got you to gotta find the true, and it is not on Facebook, and it is not on Instagram, and it's not on your feed. I know you would love that to be the case. I wish it was that the case. But you got to find the truth right here, and you got to find whatever is noble, you got to find whatever is right. It's like, well, how do I know what's right these days? Like the chat AI. Like this could be a chat AI sermon. Y'all don't even know. <laughs> but, but we get in the word and we're there. You're second guessing my whole life right now. <laughs> we get in the word and, and the word is what defines right. But here's the beautiful thing. I think some people get scared of truth because they think truth affects how we love. No, truth is the source of how we love, right? Like, I believe the truth, therefore I love my neighbor. And so truth is actually not a divider. It's the glue for how I love people. But I, I've got to be fixed on what is right. And God does have a right way. And, and do I know every perfect theology? Absolutely not. 
there are things that I believe that I might not ever preach because it's like I, I just don't I don't think this is the place or time for it. Like there's so many other things that need to happen in this moment, in this hour, in our lives. But but I've gotta stay true on the right. Like just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean I don't need to see what is right in this word. And I gotta figure out whatever is pure. Like like we know what's not pure. Like we know. Like we just don't sit right. It doesn't sit right in our soul. It doesn't sit right in our system. Like like we just know. And then we get to like the, okay, right, I understand, true, okay, Nick. But then he's like, hey, you wanna think about some lovely things? Like, like how much, like how crazy is there lovely things in this world? And I'm not talking about the guy or the girl that you have a crush on, I'm talking about like creation. I'm talking about how God works. But like, like he's like, hey, let's, let's move on to the lovely. Like, let's move on to the admirable. Let's excellent, praiseworthy. Like, let's think about those things. And if we don't guard our thought life, it'll look like the side of my house. And you'll be like, how did that weed get there? How did that weed get there? How did that weed get there? It's like, because Satan loves to plant weeds in our lives because weeds crush the fruit. It just does. So when it comes to your summer, how can you protect your thought life? Like, how can you watch over what goes in? Like, how can you watch what you see? Like, how can you protect your mental space, right? Like, this should be the most expensive real estate in your life, right? And you're like, oh, you can stay here. You can live here. Rent free. That'd be great. That's awesome. No. The truth should live here. Because if it lives here, then it lives in your heart. It just does. It's how it works. Lastly, in order to protect the produce, practice. Practice. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So this is the hard part. Is usually the summer, if, you're, if you've been at Bright City and you call yourself a believer and you, you go to church, usually what happens in the summer, it's hard, I hope you're sitting down, is it usually reveals how we've relied on the programs of the church rather the power and presence of God in our life. Because when we don't have the programs, the wheels fall off. And what Paul's saying is like, hey, I, like you, you have the practice because you have the power. Like, like you don't, you, the programs are incredible, but that's, that's not what produces the produce in your life. And so he's like, hey, I just, I need you to know that, that who you are is a child of God. Like, I, I need you to know that who you are is empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is that affects our practice in life, right? Like we still get to practice being the church. We still are a part of the church. We're still part of Christianity. We're still doing the way of Jesus in this world and in this life because we're practicing the power and the presence of God working through us. And so when it comes to your summer, like how are you gonna get in the word? Like how are you gonna get in the word? If you need community, how are you going to organize it? Like one of the things that we have at Bright City, we call it ownership. And ownership literally means that the pastor doesn't do it for you. 
because that's not what happened. Like Jesus didn't save me to do it for you. Jesus saved you so that we could all do it together, right? Like when Paul is, he's talking about his word, like Romans 16 is one of my favorite places in the word of God because it lists off like 28 people. Like Paul's just out there dropping names. Like, hey, I just want you to tell them, hey, shout out to them. Like, I just want you to know that they helped me and they're here and they're there and they've got the church in the house and they're doing the thing over here and they've got the barbecue on the corner. And like, like Paul's just giving one big shout out of the kingdom of God that is at work in the streets of this world because it doesn't depend upon one person or one place. And so when it comes to your life, here's what I know is I know that if you have faith in Jesus, it's because the grace of God has come into your life and it has opened your eyes and it has opened to your heart to the work and the power of the cross of Christ. And you have received grace and forgiveness that has covered everything in your past, everything in your present and everything in your future. But not only that, the grace is saving you and redeeming you. And it's not what you've done. It's what Jesus has done on the cross. And so the beautiful thing about that is God loves you just as much today as he will in the future. There is nothing that you can do to change the love of God in your life. And then here is you get the upgrade. How many of you love upgrades? If you fly, it's like, give me an upgrade, please, God. I've never gotten an upgrade, but I've heard they're incredible. (laughs) It's not only does he save you and redeem you, he gives you a spiritual power of grace to walk and live this life And so we're not just practicing out of works and religion and this some recital. We're actually practicing out of this revival that is happening in us called the power of God and the spirit of God at work in your life. So when you go to work tomorrow, you practice the kingdom. When you go to work on Tuesday, you practice the way of Jesus. When you show up at your gym on Wednesday, you practice the way of God at work in that place. And so when it comes to your life, like if you are going to experience the harvest that God has for you in the fall, you've got to protect the produce. You've got to. Like I'm here for you. Shoot me the text. Shoot me the email. Like I'm struggling. XOXO. Like whatever you need to do. But I'm telling you the power of God. He has given you everything that you need. Like God's not holding out on you. Like, ah, Nick, he's like a 2.0 model, and, you know, so-and-so is like a 3.0, and, you know, they're a 4.0, and, you know, they've got the update. That's not how it works. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Like, we all have the same spirit, same power, same anointing, and so we get to protect the produce, right? So how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to rejoice, right? We're going to be like, all right, doesn't feel good, but I'm still going to rejoice. God is near. And then we're going to pray because we're going to be anxious tomorrow in Jesus' name, right? Like, I'm going to be anxious today. We're driving to the mountains. I got the teenagers in the back. I'm going to be one hot ball of anxiety. Like, that's just, no, we're not there yet. And no, we can't stop again. And this is the fourth Starbucks trip. Like, you know, it's just all the anxiety, right? But we're going to pray. And then we're going to think. We're going to capture our thoughts. And we're going to think about what is going all up in our mental real estate and then we're going to practice and then we're going to repeat right here's the beautiful thing if you haven't heard it yet is it's going to be today it's going to be tomorrow it's going to be next week it's going to be the week after that is that we're going to fall right but here's the beautiful thing about the gospel is what for whatever reason satan has convinced us that number one 
like we should never fall. And then number two, when we fall, we should stay down, right? But with the gospel, the biggest thing about the gospel and the biggest reward about the gospel is how quick you get back up, right? Like Jesus is always there chasing us down, asking us to get up. And so if you are not getting up in the name of Jesus and apologizing to God and moving on with your life, then you are failing to believe and live out the gospel in your life. Like it's one big gospel of I did that wrong, God fixed it in and through Jesus, and now he's allowed me to get back up and do it again tomorrow, right? And so we're not just believers of the stuff, like we practice the stuff, right? And so if you feel like you, you have fallen short of the glory of God, which is like everyone, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Like, like this is the gospel of, of get up when you give up, right? Like that's what it is. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, they don't deserve that. Like I've been here the whole time and I've been here since the beginning. And, uh, you know, I, I tithe every week and, you know, I have perfect attendance and this is my seat and it's assigned. And I like scratch my name in the metal and, you know, no, that's that's not that's not that's not the spirit of God either. The beautiful thing is that we're all needy people at the table and the feet of Jesus saying, God, we need your grace again. We're going to need it tomorrow. And guess what? He's going to give it to us again. Right. Protect the produce in your life this summer. Amen. Amen. Father, we just pray that you would just give us um, just some moments of intimacy right now. Father, I just pray that we would experience you. Uh, God, I've done enough talking. God, I just pray that you would speak. Father, I just pray for anyone who's just feeling shame and guilt. Um, Father, I just, I just pray that they would experience your grace right now. I pray that they would experience your healing, your redemption. Uh, Father, I, I pray right now for the people who struggle with worry and anxiety. Uh, Father, I just pray that they would find a new freedom through prayer. So, God, that you would just calm their heart, calm their spirit, that they would begin to imagine a future where you show up. I, I pray that they imagine a present moment right now where you show up. Father, I pray that if there's anyone who doesn't feel like they're worthy enough to go into the throne room of grace, Father, I pray that you would overwhelm them with your love, that they, they would know that in Christ, through faith, that they are so worthy because you took our sin and you gave us righteous, uh, your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.